Father, we thank you for this beautiful spring day. I know it's not officially spring yet, but if it hits March, we call it spring. And so, Father, we're just thankful. In the midst of viruses and things, Father, we're thankful for your goodness and kindness to us. And, Lord, we pray for every. Father, I want to pray for those that are really, really uh, uh, stricken with fear at this, attacked by fear at this time with the whole coronavirus thing. And, Father, it's not just about, you know, being sick, although that is extremely uh important that we need to pray for that but it affects people financially it's affected plans that people have had father it it just is just about affecting you know everybody whether the the virus is near you or it's just you're knowing about it it's it's affecting all of us and god i want to continue i pray for those that have it Father, for just a supernatural healing. Lord, we just pray a stopping of this, just supernatural barriers around people. We speak death to the coronavirus, Lord, that that thing will just dry up and be no more. Father, I thank you for healing and delivering and bringing peace, peace to the people of not only this nation, but around the world. Father, especially when people don't know Jesus, Lord, um, I know. I mean, even when we do know you, we can get afraid. And it's not because we don't love you or believe in you, but we, you know, we just all can get attacked by fear. But I pray just your peace will settle down over this nation, over this world. And I thank you for the opportune time, Father. David said, what time I am afraid, I will trust in you. And I pray, Father, that even through people being afraid and, and wringing their hands at God, that they will turn their eyes on you. And look to you. And this will be a time of what what the devil has meant for evil. I pray that it will be a time of great harvest, a great reaping in of souls for the kingdom of God, Father. A time for the Christians to shine their light into that darkness and say, yes, this is happening and it's not good. But God, God is greater in all of this and he will bring us through and he will see us through this whether it be affecting our finances or um ability to get clorox wise well all those things god travel plans sickness father i thank you for leading us through this time and father give us hearts to hear and receive your word tonight lord that you would just speak to us and and just Root us in, ground us in your love, Father, because when we know that you're, you love us, that you're for us, that, that, then no weapon formed against us, it will not prosper because we're founded on your love and we know that, that your love, it'll cast out all fear. So, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, my title tonight is Trusting Jesus in the Storm. And, uh, so we're going to talk about it. And I want to start in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, these scriptures. And it'll be familiar to y'all. I know I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation, but it's a, it's a familiar story. But I just want to talk to us about it. You know, I had a friend, my, my little neighbor. Um, she's, it's a, uh, there's a rent house, actually, that my niece owns that is right next door to us. And the people that moved into it are so precious. And we've just become good friends. And just, but they've bought a house over closer to the golf course. So they're going to be moving. And uh, the husband's dad uh, died. And so I, they gave me their key and wanted me to open the house, check on their cat and stuff like that. But anyway, so I went over today to give the key back to her. 
And so she was asking me, well, what were we doing today and this? And I said, well, we have church tonight. She said, well, and they're Christians. They are Christians. And, and they visited us once, but they didn't keep coming because they, they really are part of another uh, of a denomination. And that's okay. They love Jesus. But anyway, so, you know, she asked me what I was talking about tonight. She said, I told her, I said, well, we have church, and I teach on Wednesdays, you know. And she said, oh, yeah, I forgot. And anyway, so I told her it's about trusting Jesus in the storm. And she said, well, you know, she said, it's, it, how does she, she talked about when the rubber meets the road. And, you know, we talk about trusting Jesus. We talk about uh, putting our faith in him and, and standing on the rock. But when the storms come, you know, she was talking about when the rubber meets the road, that's when it really, you know, when uh, our, 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 how will you say it, our talk becomes the walk, so to speak, you know, or we put our money where our mouth is or the rubber meets the road or however you want to say it. And we talked about that. And, and I told her, I said, you know, though, I said, yes. She said, you know, what happens when that happens and people usually just kind of, Start freaking out. I said, yes, but I said, you know, if you will, I said, the Bible says of the word of itself, of the word of God, that it is an incorruptible seed. It's a seed that doesn't die. The, the living word of God are seeds and they don't die. And they go into us when we read them and meditate on them and make them our own and receive them. And they go in and then they grow up in us. They grow faith, they grow peace, they grow love, what, whatever it is. And I told her, I said, you know, in the Psalms it says to feed on the faithfulness of God. And I said, if you're feeding on the faithfulness of God, to me you're planting seeds of his word in your heart. You're not feeding on the junk around you. You're feeding in the midst of the junk on God's faithfulness. And I said, and so when the storm comes, when stuff happens, I said, you will have this beautiful harvest of peace or joy or faith or assurance that, yes, these things are happening, but God's going to help it to be okay. And I said, but what helps is to be feeding on this before it comes. She went, that's really good. So, hey, you know, I said, yeah, that's, that's how we live it. That's how you live it. That's how we get it in us. You know, it's, I guess it's sort of like, you know, how people will take vitamin C so they don't, you know, they prevent colds or or, you know, I guess, I don't know what all it prevents. But anyway, people take vitamin colds and flu. I don't know if it prevents flu. But anyway, they take vitamin C. Well, you can think of that C, Christ, and you're taking vitamin Jesus, vitamin Christ, and taking it in. And you know what? I, the Bible says of its word that God's word is alive and active and full of power. And I believe when you read healing scriptures, that those words are alive. They're incorruptible seeds that go into us and they affect a cure in us. I believe that was my, I believe that's what the Bible teaches and I believe that with my whole heart. So if there's something amiss in my body, then we read healing scriptures and we receive them and we thank God that they go in and they grow up healing in us and healing begins to manifest. And of course, laying on of hands, anointing with oil, there's many ways. I, I say God wants us healed and there are so many ways that biblically you see prayer, you know, like, I mean, just so many ways. He wants us to walk in health and healing. So, anyway, that was my neighbor's story for the day. But they're moving, and I already met the girl who's going to move in. She's a young mama, I think, with two children. So, that'll be fun. New neighbor. But anyway, I want to read to you out of Mark chapter 4. And this is what it says. It's, it's 
where Jesus steals the storm. It says later that day, after it grew dark, verses 35 through um, 41 is where I'm going to be reading at Mark 4. Later that day, after it grew dark, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. Y'all know this story, right? And you know when I say story, I don't like to say story because it's not just, it's an account. It's an account of what happened with Jesus and his disciples. It says, and after they had sent the crowd away, they shoved off from shore with him as he had been teaching from the boat. So he's sitting in a boat teaching it, and they shoved off from shore with him. And there were other boats that sailed with him. And suddenly, as they were crossing the lake, a ferocious tempest arose with violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was all but swamped. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. Or you could say he had his head on a my pillow, huh? What do y'all think? Anyway, does anybody ever see any my pillow commercials? My gosh. Anyway, I thought, oh, we see a lot of them. <laughs> he was sleeping, resting on a cushion, had his head, his divine head on his my pillow. So they shook him awake and saying, Teacher, don't you even care that we are all about to die? Fully awake, he rebuked the storm and shouted to the sea, Hush, calm down. All at once, the wind stopped howling and the water became perfectly calm. And then he turned to his disciples and he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? But they were overwhelmed with fear and awe and they said to one another, Who is this man who has such authority that even the wind and waves obey him? So we want to talk about this tonight just a little bit because we're talking about trusting Jesus in the storm because they were in one. You know, Jesus, you see from the story, they had set sails. Uh, made you think about Gilligan's Island kind of, didn't it? You know, going for a three-hour tour, but it ended up being longer and they got shipwrecked and all that. So they set out and it was supposed to be a short little excursion across the lake, but this storm came up and the disciples were terrified. I mean, obviously, they thought they were going to die. And now keep in mind, these are professional fishermen. This is what they do. They're not just newbies or or just a little hobby going out on the water a little bit, trying it out. These are seasoned professional fishermen. They're used to be on the water day or night in all kinds of conditions. And they had probably even grown up on this body of water that they're sailing across. Very familiar to them. They've probably seen it in the good, the bad, and the ugly, all the conditions on this lake, the Sea of Galilee, or the lake of, I don't know how you say it exactly, Gennaraseret, something like that. Anyway, let's say Sea of Galilee. But anyway, but at this moment, on this lake, at the Sea of Galilee, at this time with Jesus in the boat, they fear for their lives, and they're frantic. But at the back of the boat, we already read, like I said, Jesus has his divine head on his, my pillow, and he's sacked out. He's asleep. The disciples are screaming, and Jesus is snoring. What do y'all think? <laughs> you ever feel like that sometimes? <laughs> We're screaming, and he's snoring. <laughs> the contrast is huge. It's intentional. The disciples are freaking out. Jesus is at rest. I think Jesus is preaching us a message from his place of rest, don't you? He's telling us that when the storms of life come, we can trust him. 
we can look at his place of peace, his attitude of peace, and we can find rest for our souls. You know, I know it doesn't happen just like that. But you can practice peace. That's what I call it. Because, you know, when you practice something, you're practicing because you haven't quite, you know, walked in it perfectly. But you can practice um, his presence and his presence of peace. You know, when maybe you're used to freaking out over things and just, begin, you know, maybe just feed on scriptures about peace and about his care for you. And it, and it will help. And when those things come, you go, no, wait a minute. I remember Missy Dirk telling me, she said, I used to freak out, but I'm just going to do what you've taught us. I said, well, hey, all right. <laughs> I said, I tell myself the same thing. You know, we just letting us come to that place of peace. We can look at his attitude of peace and we can find rest for our souls. We learn from this account that just because Jesus is in the boat doesn't mean we won't go through storms. Remember, Jesus told us, in this world you will have tribulations. I remember as a new Christian, I thought that. I thought, I'm saved. All right, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be good. And it kind of confused me at first when everything wasn't going, rocking along perfectly. You know, it began, it went along good, and then it kind of began to get a little rocky. But, you know, I learned through reading the account of Mary, Jesus' mother. She was in the perfect will of God. She had said yes to the Holy Spirit to bear the Son of God to carry him and yet she quite possibly could have been stoned to death she had her her soon-to-be husband wanted to put her away and and it and it just spoke to me that I learned that then I thought you know when you're in the perfect will of God doesn't mean everything's going to stop and be perfect it just means you're in the will of God the best place to be and God brought Mary through and everything was okay. But, you know, I just, I learned that. But that was kind of what I used to think. Storms happen, doesn't it? Stuff happens. Troubles happen. And bumper stickers say other things, but we're not going to say that here. Don't read them. I go, what did they put that up there for? Bad things happen to good people, to people who follow God and love God and believe in God. Jesus told us in this world we would have tribulation. What do you tell us but be of good cheer? I've deprived it of power to harm you. Storms don't mean Jesus is not in our lives. Storms are no indication of our lack of faith or lack of holiness. just means we live in a fallen world. The Bible teaches that we all face storms, but Jesus is in our boat. And you know what? He's not freaking out. Aren't you glad? Maybe we should take a hint. Also, just because we have Jesus in our boat doesn't mean that we won't get wet. I don't want to get wet, but <laughs> but we do get wet sometimes. And just because we love and follow Jesus doesn't mean we won't be affected by the circumstances of life. But you've got to put aside the fear and just say, he'll take me through this. You put fear over here and you just lift up trust and faith and say God you'll get us through somehow because <laughs> God's gotten us through hasn't he he's getting us through isn't he Alice he is some of the hardest things we think we can't even breathe and he gets us through them he gets us through them maybe some of us are in a storm right now or 
And we aren't just wet, but we're blooming soaked. (laughs) Maybe we're drenched. Maybe we're embarrassed. Maybe we're ashamed because we think we should be stronger or we should be smarter. Sometimes we think that. But God's not saying that. It's what the enemy says to us. I remember when my friend Lucy got cancer. And she said, I thought I had faith. I can remember her telling me that. But she did have faith. But she was attacked in her body. And she said, oh, it's hard. You know, and all that screaming at you. But God. But God. We think that because Jesus is in our lives, we should always be happy and victorious and unaffected by it all. But when you're wet, you're wet. (laughs) You know, you're just wet. We think that anyone... If anyone finds out how the elements or the circumstances are getting to us, that they're going to reject us. That's a lie of the enemy, you know. So, you know, what we do, what do we do? Put on a happy face and we act like we're dry instead of soaking wet. But, you know, we need to come to each other for prayer. When we're struggling, we need to come to each other because... The Bible says two are better than one in that when one falls, the other can help lift the other one up. And when you're struggling, you need someone to help pray with you, to agree with you, to help be the lifter of your head. My friend Lucy again, I remember her. We would encourage each other. And one day I can remember encouraging her about something because crummy things happened in Lucy's life. Her husband of 40 years left her for someone else. She got cancer. But she loved Jesus and sang his praises all the way through, didn't didn't she, Patricia? And she helped others all during that time. So she was struggling, and she had a lot of things. But I remember one day I was encouraging her about something, and she told me, she said, why do we forget? Why do we forget the things we know? And I said, well, you know, the good thing is when one of us is forgetting, one of us is remembering, you know. And that's why God gave us each other, the family of God, to lift each other up and to help each other and to encourage each other and to say, God is going to do this. He is going to bring us through. You know, we may not know how, but that's okay. We don't have to know how. You know, we might be soaked, but we don't have to be sunk. Those disciples were soaked, but they weren't sunk. That water was coming in. And, you know, we might be drenched, but we're not going to be drowned. We might be wet, but our heads are above the water. We might be damaged and discouraged and distracted by the craziness of life. But we know who is in our boat, and we are not going down, are we? I want you all to say that I'm not going down because Jesus is in my boat. That's right. You know, you can love and thank God even when you're wet. Jesus isn't bothered by how wet we are. He's happy to help us get past the storms and arrive safely to the other side. You know, I was telling Alan Day, we were, he um, went to get blood work done in in, um, Lockhart, and he had brought some of our CDs. I still like CDs. I know phones do all this stuff, but I don't really know how to do it. So we still buy CDs. And, and he had brought some, because one, for me to, you know, learn new songs, more songs I could list. And, but um, 
And then just to listen to them. But I, t- I love Hillsong, man. I don't know, man. They're just so blooming anointed. And just listen to some. And I told him, I said, I need to, you know, listen to K-Love is awesome and the music on the radio. But it's just something about listening to a CD or music that has just crafted the whole thing with that anointing on it and just listening to it. I said, oh, I just needed that. I just felt so refreshed just listening to that worship music. It was uninterrupted, no commercials, no jokes, no laughing, you know, just worship music. And I was just so refreshed. felt like I had been to Tahiti already, you know. We just went to Lockhart and Walmart and the blood work and no Clorox wipes, you know, but hey. But I was refreshed, so refreshed. You know, just listen to that. It just fed my soul. And I just told Alan, I said, oh, I need to do that. I said, because the radio's great, but, man, it just, it just it soaks me with the good stuff, you know, the good goodness of God. God is on our side no matter what kind of storm we face. And he's on our side no matter what caused the storm. God's with us even if we created the storm ourselves he's with us maybe through bad choices or unwise actions he's with us in the storm he didn't say oh you did it well you figure it out no people are like that god had to tell me i'm not like man (laughs) people are like that but god's not like that his arms are ever outstretched to us to lift us up Corey ten boom said what did he say there's she said there's no pit so deep that God's arms aren't aren't longer still or deeper. I don't know how it said it to reach up and to pull us out of those pits. And you know the storm's not the point. The wind's not the point. The water's not the point. Jesus is the point. He's the point. No matter what you're doing, no matter what you're going through or, or why you're going through it, Jesus is calm and he's in control. We sang it. Alan didn't know. He didn't ask me what you're teaching tonight. You're in control. The disciples are not thinking along these lines, though. They are not thinking Jesus is in control. They're thinking Jesus is, how is he sleeping in this storm? (laughs) Um, You know, they're not thinking like that. In fact, they're getting a little frustrated. They're about to die, they think, and Jesus is asleep on his my pillow. Alan told me to tell you all that. That's where my pillow came from. He said, no, you need to say my pillow. Because then as we are getting ready to come, I'm telling him kind of what I'm teaching on. The music's already picked, though. But I'm telling him, he said, oh, you ought to say my pillow. I said, okay, if if I can work it in there, I'll say my pillow. (laughs) You know, Alan, he's got to have a joke, right, or something funny. Anyway, but, you know, they were frustrated looking back to see him sleeping. (laughs) I've done that. Oh, sometimes I do that with Alan. He's pretty calm, man. He can just get all wrought up sometimes like I do man I can get real emotional and just out there uh you know I just can I don't want to I want to be just as calm and cool but I'm not always so anyway but Jesus still loves me and he's helping me but Alan's calm and cool he's a good calming effect on me but sometimes I want to say come on you know like Jesus in the back of the boat can you get up and move a little faster on this anybody feel that way about people that just seem to be doing this and you're going come on you know y'all know what I mean anyway I kind of walk fast anyway so but Jesus he's asleep he's the one that's responsible for getting them to the other side he's the one that told him let's go to the other side it's his idea now he's sleeping he doesn't seem to care I wonder how many times they glare at him burning one you know 
give him, what do they call it, the stink eye, you know, looking back there at him before somebody finally decides, let's wake him up. Mm. Somebody, please wake him up. I think they expect him probably when they wake him up just to leap up and scream and go, oh, no, I didn't know it was a storm. Maybe grab an oar and start paddling or something over to the shore. Because they want him to lead the paddling and the panic, don't they? And sometimes when life is crazy, we think God should panic alongside with us. Maybe, you know, like uh, we think he, he should get as nervous as we are and maybe get out on the edge of his throne and kind of look and wring his hands and, and, or maybe pace heaven's hallways and, and waiting to see what's going to be the outcome of the storm, you know. But God always seems to be asleep, doesn't he? When the storm's going, does y'all ever think, oh, hello, wake up. Is anybody noticing up there? Can't he see that we are soaked and sinking? Can't he see all the water we're taking in? Why didn't he do something? Finally, the disciples do wake him up. Y'all know we read it. He probably takes his time sitting up, kind of like when, you know, Mary and Martha sent for Jesus uh, when Lazarus was sick and he took four days to get there, he didn't have to. He just kind of meandered over because he's, he knows the plans that he has. And what does he say? They're plans for your good. They're plans for your good. Lazarus died, but he raised him up. We don't have to worry. So the disciples wake him up. But he, I bet you, don't you all think Jesus did? He probably took his time sitting up. In the mornings, I don't like just jump out of bed. I kind of got to. I gotta get my brain awake. Alan, he just hops out, boom, he's ready, boom, out the bed. And I'm just kinda of going, oh, is it morning? <laughs> it's too early. Oh, I thought it was gonna be lighter, y'all, with daylight. It's darker, isn't it? Darker earlier. That's okay. It's okay. Darker later. Lighter later. Lighter later, darker earlier. But anyway, I bet the disciples thought, well, he needs to just jump up and get with it. But I bet he yawned. He probably stretched and rubbed his eyes. And then he went, oh, we're having a storm, you know. So then he turns and he said, wind, waves, stop it. Stop it. And then the sea turns to glass and the wind evaporates. He didn't get in a hurry. The disciples look at Jesus and their jaws drop. Would y'all's jaws have dropped? My jaws have dropped sometimes when I think about all the Lord has done for me. And how I thought, I shrank back on, how do we even get out of that or get through that or deal with that? I go, I don't even know. I'm just amazed. And then my jaw drops because I don't even know how God did it. That's the kind I like the best. Just let me know when it's done, you know. That's my favorite kind. But their jaws drop and they say, who is this man? Who talks to storms and they obey him. Who does that? The Bible uses words like feared exceedingly. They marveled. Um, they were afraid to describe their reaction. And that doesn't mean that they're afraid of Jesus like they had been afraid of the storm. It means that their awe of him is deepening. Their reverence is deepening. They're going, whoa. They are astonished and stunned and dumbfounded and awestruck at what they have just seen. They probably realize now that in reality, they were never in danger of dying. You know, God can't sink. 
I want you to remember that. God can't sink. And he isn't going to accidentally drown in the water that he created in the first place. Winds and waves and storms are nothing in comparison to the one who was asleep in the boat. They're nothing in comparison to him. It's easy to be in awe of Jesus after the storm. But the point of this passage is that we should be in awe of Jesus during the storm. During the storm when it's all going down. At the end of the story, the disciples ask and wonder, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? You know what they should have said? They should have looked at Jesus sleeping soundly and said, who can this be that even the wind and the sea cannot wake him? (laughs) You know, how's he sleeping during this? They should have looked at Jesus' calm demeanor and realized that he had everything under control even when the storm was raging. That's what God wants us to do even when it's raging. The word awe refers to an overwhelming sense of wonder and admiration produced by something powerful. When we are in awe of something, we revere it. We fear it. Not afraid, but fear in reverence. Amazed. In life, it's almost as if storms seek to sway us and to steal our awe. Storms want us to be in awe of them. They want to gain our reverence. They want to Attempt to convince us of their power. That's what storms try to do to us. And that was the problem with these disciples. They were in awe of the storm even when Jesus was so near. They looked at the elements. They listened to their five senses rather than trusting Jesus. Our five senses shout at us, don't they? (laughs) When we are in challenges and difficulties in life. We can hear the storm, we can see the storm, we can smell the storm, we can feel the storm. Our senses tell us you're going down. You'll never last. What will you do now? That's what our senses tell us. And you know, it's not that we ignore reality, but rather we should pay attention to a greater reality. Jesus is with us, and he is unfazed by the circumstances that so easily rock our boats and our world. Because he knows he has all power. The Bible even says he's given us authority and power over all the power the enemy possesses. He's given us authority to speak to the storms. Jesus is in the storm with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. His promises are true and his love never fails. Notice what the disciples said to Jesus when they woke him up. Don't you care that we are dying? Don't you care? You know what the enemy makes you think? Jesus doesn't care. If he cared, this wouldn't be happening. That wouldn't be happening. Don't you care that we're dying here? They criticize him because he refuses to fret and worry and panic along with them. And when we are in awe of Jesus rather than the storm, we will find ourselves... Facing the same criticism. They criticized Jesus because he wouldn't get into that, into that fear and that fretting along with them. And co-workers and friends will accuse us. You don't even care. Don't you see the economy? Don't you see the sickness? 
Don't you see the potential for destruction or loss or death? You should care more. Because people think if we're not freaking out and joining the, the uh, panic, they think we don't care. But it's not true. They think we should care more. And by that they mean you should bite your nails more. You should pace more. You should stress out more. You should sweat more. You should definitely complain more. That's what people think when you're not joining the world's ways. And, you know, that's how most people are used to functioning. If you aren't visibly worried, they think you're either dumb or indifferent. Don't you know? Oh, I'll add one more. Or in denial. They think you're just denying it. God disagrees with that. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 that if you're short and you worry about it, you won't get any taller. Did y'all know that? That's what it says in Matthew 6. It's talking about not worrying. Worrying doesn't add one inch to your stature. So if you're short and you're worried about it, you're not going to grow from that. And if you're balding and you stress out about it, you're not going to grow any more hair. (laughs) you're not going to get any more hair if you're stressing out about it. In the same way, if your business is short on funds, worry isn't going to help you make payroll. If your kids are going crazy, worry will not help them make good choices. Worry is not going to help. Worry is useless, and worry says it saps our strength and steals our focus is what worry does. It will sap your strength, and it will steal your focus. It causes us to be more awestruck and dumbfounded by storms or circumstances by the one, than by the one who silences those storms with the word when it takes our focus. The storm wants our awe, our reverence, our attention, our wonder. It says to us, look how strong I am. Look what I can do. That's what the storm says to us. And you know what? There's only one way to resist the pull of the storm's power. And it's to look at Jesus. It's to look at his word. It's to look at what he says. It's to look to him. Hebrews says, looking away from all that will distract unto Jesus. We can't out-argue the storm. We can't outwit the circumstances. And we can't calm the storm. But we can look to Jesus. He'll be with us through the good times and the bad. He'll be there when the suffering seems too hard to bear. And I'm sure everyone in this room has had suffering that you think you cannot endure or bear it in all of our lives. But he is there when the circumstances don't make sense. I want to say this. He's there when the circumstances don't go the way we think they should. Or when things don't end up the way we thought they should. He's there when choices are too hard to make. Anybody ever had a hard choice to make? And when our senses are screaming that all is lost. That's what your senses tell you. That's what storms tell you. But you know what? Jesus will never let us sink. He will not let you sink. You know, he told me one time, he said, it's not when you fall, it's not when you get into these things. He said, will you let me help you up? 
It's that my hand is reaching out to you, but we are the ones that have to reach for him and let him pull us up. We're not pulling ourselves up. He's pulling us up, but we have to allow him to do that. We can sit in it. We can sit in our disappointments. We can sit in our hurts, our anger, our frustrations, our misunderstandings, whatever all the enemy throw. We can just sit there in it. Or we can say, Jesus, you're in this boat with me, and I'm going to lean on you to get me up and out of this and get this water out of this boat and dry me off and stand me up. Jesus will never let you sink. Cancer, bankruptcy, betrayal, coronavirus, divorce, depression, rape, suicide, and any other things you can think of. These are storms so powerful that there can seem to be no hope of tomorrow. But they are not more powerful than Jesus. Through it all, Jesus is asking us to look at him and to focus on him. And you know what? That takes a decision. That takes a choice to turn away from that. What did Hebrews say? Look away from all that will distract. It's trying to distract you. The storms are trying to distract you. They're lying to you. They're telling you all manner of doubt, discouragement, and despair. And you have to choose to look away from that. And to look to Jesus and choose to believe that he is greater than any storm that has come into your life. I believe it with my whole heart. No matter what happens or what is said. Sicknesses, things like that. I believe that God is greater and able to bring us up out of them victoriously. We focus on him. We look at him. He's nearby. He's in our boat. (laughs) He is at peace and he's at rest because he is greater than the storm. And when a storm comes, you need to say, God, you're greater than this. You are greater than this. You are more powerful than this. I don't care what the doctors say. I don't care what the banker says. I'm looking to you to bring me through this and to bring me up out of this. Storms happen. I can't promise that we won't get wet. And I can't promise that we won't go through tough times. But I can promise that Jesus is bigger than our storm. And that he's with us and that he'll bring us through. He'll show us the way. He'll show us the way through it if we'll ask him and allow him to lead us. Because the storm will end. The wind will cease. And the waves will be still. And Jesus will see us safely to the other side. Won't he? Yes, he will. Father, we just thank you. Father, we don't have to wonder if we're going to get to the other side. Because you're in our boat. We're going to get there. And we might be wet. And at times we might even get scared. But we're just going to pick our eyeballs up and we're going to turn them right back onto you. If we have to physically take our fingers and do it. (laughs) And we're going to drag our mind with it and our bodies and everything that tries to turn the wrong opposite way of, of trust and faith in you. We're going to turn ourselves toward you. If we have to do it a million times a day, we're going to say, nope, I'm trusting God. Father, I thank you for bringing me through. I thank you that I might be wet today and the winds may be blowing today and the waves might be raging. But, Jesus, you're in the boat. We're going to get to the other side. Lord, I thank you that I don't know how we're going to get to the other side, but you know how we're going to get to the other side. You know how to bring us safely to the other side. And, Lord, we thank you and we trust you to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.
you need prayer tonight, I pray.